Let's pray. God, we've come together today to to celebrate, to praise, just to give thanks for who you are and all that you have done. And we realize that you have a great calling on each and every one of us, a, a vision that only we can fulfill. And we know that vision has to do with your kingdom on earth, with reaching those who do not know you. But sometimes the vision is blurry and, and we've confused what the purpose is in our life. And so, God, just forgive us where we have missed opportunities to witness to your love and your mercy. God, work through this series that we're in right now in a way that, that makes our next step in life crystal clear. That we're able to move forward with, with confidence that you are the one guiding and directing us. By the power of the Holy Spirit, God, just use this message today to speak to us. We thank you in advance for your divine protection as you shield us from our spiritual enemies' plans and schemes. We're just going to stand on your word that no weapon formed against us will prosper. We thank you for your church and all those that have gone before us that have made this hour of worship possible. We thank you for those that are not with us today. God, we pray for them. We just ask that you continue to work in their life as they have worked in ours. God, we ask that your presence be with them in a powerful way so that they know they're not alone today. We pray for Change Point Church and Pastor Brian and ask that, that they just can accomplish with faith and boldness what you're calling them to do. We could use some of that faith and boldness ourselves, God. So just allow your spirit to transform us into courageous followers of Jesus Christ today. And now, God, hear us collectively as we pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples when he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. We're continuing our series today called Cast and if you're just joining us, um, we've been focusing on, on God's vision for our lives and, and how, um, how that really translates into a vision for the larger body of believers. The, the church, as followers of Christ, uh, we all have a gift to use and to share that contributes to the mission and the meaning and the purpose of life. Uh, if you want to catch up on the series, you can find our other messages on our Spotify um, account there on, on, on the Spotify app. Uh, that's it. Just search the vine at Cabot and it'll pull it up and you can catch up on the other uh, messages in this series. But, but we've learned that discovering this vision is really a process, right? It doesn't happen overnight. There are steps or there are phases in which God speaks and assures us that we're heading in the right direction. But God doesn't show us the vision all at once. In, in order to see uh, step five, we have to take a step of faith uh, um, on one and a step two faith, step two, step three faith, you know, all the way through, through four leading up to five. That's what we want to see. I mean, spiritual growth and development is really a journey where, where God speaks in different ways and at different times and through different experiences. Sometimes God's voice is just a fleeting thought that we may have, or it's an impression in the mind. It may be um, a moment where your, your heartstrings are kind of pulled, or it could be an audible. 
You could have a vision or a dream or a personal encounter that is so vivid and so in your face that there's really no doubt that God is giving you an instruction. Whatever form it takes, God is speaking to his people to get them to respond to his will so that the kingdom may come on earth as it is in heaven. And this vision from God is so important, not only for you as an individual, but also for us as a church because of the impact that the church should have and could have on the community and on the world. And that vision really begins on a a personal level because God has a great calling on your life. And when, when we all live that out, then we are being the church that God intends us to be. Vision gives us something to look at and something to shoot for. It, it provides a blueprint or a roadmap so that it's easier to reach our destination. Without a vision, you don't know where, where you're really going. You don't know if you're moving in the right direction or fulfilling uh, God's given destiny to you. And this really creates frustration in our lives. And you've probably heard the, kind of the famous line from Alice in Wonderland that if, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. I mean, that, and that's what happens oftentimes in people's lives. You know, if you don't have a purpose, if there is no vision, then you just kind of wander around aimlessly through life. And this is the reason, or it's at least the cause, that so many people have unfulfilled lives. And so vision is extremely important. But how do you get it? Well, I mean, there are countless business strategy books out there that will give you some idea on how to craft a personal vision for your life. There are thousands of self-help books and articles that will guide you to look inward. Um, Searching the Internet seems to be a pretty popular place that people go to to kind of figure out what their purpose is in life. But I want to suggest to you that God has already laid it out there for us. The vision of your life is already planned. It's already set. The challenge for us is to discover it. And if you don't discover it, then no matter how successful you are in life, no matter how many good times you have, no matter how much money you've got, you will never be fully satisfied or content. In fact, you'll do what so many Americans do when their career is over, when they've raised the kids, when they've accomplished all of their goals. They'll look in a mirror one day and they'll ask, is that it? I mean, was that, was that life? So I'm going to explain how we can avoid this awful trap of getting to the end of our lives and looking back and realizing that for the most part, we spent the majority of our time doing something we were never intended to do. Most of us don't live out the vision that our Creator, that our God has, has for our life. So we're going to take a look at the life of Nehemiah real quick to discover a formula for vision and purpose. Um, I've got to give you some context, some background here, so I hope I don't uh, bore you into sleep. But, But in order really to understand the significance of what's going on, we've got to go back just a little bit. And so this was at a time when when Israel, the people of God, had turned their backs on God. This was four or five hundred years before Jesus comes onto the scene. They, were, um, they weren't being obedient. They, they weren't being righteous. They weren't even trying to seek holiness. Um, their relationship with God was unraveling. And, and so God spoke to them through the prophets at the time. And he said, listen, if you don't get your life together, if you don't come around and, 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 and start worshiping me and only me, because idolatry was kind of widespread at the time, 
Then he said, I'm, I'm going to send an opposing empire, basically, nation, to come and conquer you. Israel, and this was just a pattern they had, um, they didn't respond well to what the, to what the um, prophets had to say. And so they, they really didn't listen. They just continued to live life as they had been living life. And so God did what he said he was going to do. And he sends the Babylonians into, the southern, into southern Israel there, into Judea. And the Babylonians, they annihilated them. Um, they destroyed Jerusalem. They tore down the temple. They ended all forms of religious worship to the one true God. Uh, they took all of the leaders and the builders, the architects, the engineers out of Jerusalem back to Babylon to help build the Babylonian empire. But God never intended to leave them in exile. God had a plan. God continued to speak through the prophets and he said, listen, after 70 years of exile, I'm going to bring you back into the land that I gave you. When a new generation comes along and they realize what Israel had done in the past and they're going to confess, they're going to repent, they're going to reestablish the nation And one day, the Messiah is going to come through my people, Israel. It's a pretty good plan of redemption that God had. God kept his promise. After 70 years, a new generation of Israelites had been raised up. However, they were raised up in exile, right? They were in a foreign land. And so back home in Jerusalem, uh, it was still in shambles. It was Ruined because there were no leaders, there were no architects, there were no engineers or builders, no teachers. The town has been full of foreigners basically for the past 70 years. The Jews that did remain, they um, had forgotten the scriptures, they were con- had a confused idea of who God was, and they had no real identity as a people of God. The Babylonian Empire. Um, eventually gets conquered by the Persians and a new king is in charge. His name is Cyrus. And he has a different um, prisoner policy than the Babylonians. He allows the Jews to start migrating back to Jerusalem. And so he sends about 90% of them back to Jerusalem. And when they get there, they realize just how bad it is. There's no organization. There's no form of government. There's no security, no military, no wall surrounding the city for protection. And so all of the surrounding tribes just keep attacking the city and taking what they want. This is where Nehemiah comes in. So I hope I hadn't lost you. So that's the background leading up to what's about to happen. So Nehemiah is still in uh, Babylon, which is now controlled by Persia. He didn't go back with the rest of them because he's serving in the king's court. And here's what happens. I promise I'm getting to finding vision for for your life. Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kesliv, is the 20th year. While I was in the citadel of Susa, Babylon, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. And they said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. 
There's three things in this short little passage here I'm going to highlight that I think are essential for discovering our purpose and our vision. The first one is Nehemiah knew what God was up to in history. Now, why, why would Nehemiah inquire about a struggling remnant of people that, it, that lived hundreds of miles away? Because he wanted to know the status of God's plan. He, he wanted to hear how God's people were, were doing in the midst of this divine movement. He knew that even though they were in exile, that it was temporary because God had promised that after 70 years they would be restored into the land. He knew that what God wanted to do, he knew God's heart. And he, and he knew that the process had already begun because the Jews had already started going back to Jerusalem. But he also knew that God was grieved over the fact that the Israelites, they couldn't get it together. I mean, even after most of them had returned home, they still couldn't get it going in the right direction. Jerusalem didn't resemble the city of God anymore. It was a pagan society corrupted by selfishness, greed, and pride. And this broke Nehemiah's heart because he knew it broke God's heart. Even though Nehemiah knew based on God's past faithfulness that, that God would keep his promise, he didn't know how he would do it. He didn't know when he would do it. He just knew that he needed to do something about it. He needed to be a part of it. Something had to be done. Which leads to number two. And that is that Nehemiah was concerned about the same things that God is concerned about. He was so concerned about the things of God that it affected him emotionally as it's described in our scripture there. When he heard that the walls were torn down and the gates had been burned and the people were in trouble and disgrace. He didn't just show a little sympathy and say, here's some money I'm going to send back with you to try to fix all that. Verse 4 says he mourned. He fasted. He wept. He prayed. This is something that, that they did when someone close to them died. He was grieving because he knew that this was not God's plan for his people. Jews were going back to Jerusalem, but restoration of God's people wasn't happening. And this is where your purpose and where my purpose comes into the picture. And this is the third part of discovering vision for your life. In the tension of wrestling with what was and what could be, a vision was born in the heart of Nehemiah. He knew what it used to be like in Israel. He had heard the stories over and over again about what Jerusalem was like and the description of the temple and the great wall that surrounded it and the worship that took place there and the healing baths and the sacrifices and the sights and the sounds and the smells of the holy city. He, he had an image in his mind of what, was, what it was supposed to be like. And he wrestled with what it was. He knew what it should be. He knew what it could be. He knew what God wanted it to be. And in all of that tension was born from God this vision in his heart. And it paved the way for Jerusalem to be reestablished and become the capital city once again of Israel so that the Messiah would come through it 400 years later. The, the vision that was birthed in Nehemiah led him back to Jerusalem and to lead the effort of rebuilding the city, in particular, the wall. And you're thinking, what does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with, with us? What's it got to do with this, this church? Everything. 
We're, we're like Nehemiah in one way. We know what God is up to in history. There's no question about it because Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, all the way through Revelation makes it crystal clear to us. We know what God is up to. His main concern is people coming to know him as his heavenly father through his son, Jesus Christ. That's what he's up to. That is the most important thing to God. He's not into to healing everybody. He could do that. It's just not his main concern. He's not into making all Christians wealthy. That's not it. His goal isn't to make every, everybody's life easy and comfortable and free of any problems. The prayer that God answers every single time is this. God, I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a Savior. So forgive me of my sins and help me to put my trust in Jesus Christ. He never says no to somebody who calls on his grace and his mercy because that is his primary concern. Here's how Jesus summarizes that, how important it is to God. It's found in Luke 15, 7. You heard it a minute ago on the video. He says, I tell you in the same way. There will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Do you know what that means? You know what it's saying here? That means that if, that if all of us church folks just huddled up in here um, and just continued to, to worship and, and continue to try to become more and more holy. And if we stayed in Bible studies and small groups. And we, and we stayed in, in worship. And we, and we kept having potlucks with each other. But we never went outside to where the people really are. Where God wants us to be. You know. To meet that one guy. Or that one girl. Or that teenager. Or that elderly person out there. Who's in the process of doing a 180 in their life. Um, as they're submitting their life to Jesus Christ and turning to God, that verse means that God is more excited about what's going on out there than what's going on in here. Are we as concerned about what's going on out there as God is? That's the convicting question for all of us. Am I, are you, as concerned with what God is up to as God is? Are we like Nehemiah at a, at a soul and a heart and an emotional level concerned with the things that concern Almighty God? Because the way you answer that question will determine the ease with which you are able to discern God's vision for your life. Because God gives us vision in the tension between what is and what could be. It's the man or the woman of a, of a teenager or a single parent who is really overwhelmed with the things that overwhelm God. It's the, the retired person who's looking for things to keep them busy. It's those who are really concerned and compassionate. It's that person that's caught in the tension of, of looking at the way thing, of the way it is, knowing how it could be different. You know, look at how my neighbor is, but look at how they could be if Jesus was all up in their life. Look at the, the teenagers, you know, that that oftentimes we, we have a tendency to blame them for everything when we should just be loving them unconditionally and raising them to be great men and women of God. What's our concern? Look at the people at my work, you know, how they are as opposed to how they could be. Look at the poverty, the abuse. Look how many orphans there are. Look at the dysfunction as opposed to what it could be like. 
It's the person that, that wrestles with the tension and what it could and what they could do about it. That's the person that God births vision into every single time. Every time I prepare a message like this, I mean, it's just directed right at me. Because I'm, I'm too busy to th- stop and really think about and pray about the tension, even in, in my life, you know? And you may be like that as well. Just so busy that, that we don't even notice what's important to God. And even if we did, we don't have time to really stop and do anything about it. I mean, one of my greatest fears is that I'll get to the end of my life and I will hear God say, instead of, well done, good and faithful servant, he'll say, man, you sure were busy. Right? The reality is I could be busy with church stuff for the rest of my life and never really wrestle with what we're talking about in here this morning, which is, do we really care about the things that God cares about? And it's not all of the 99 righteous folks either. It is the one outside the loop. The one that used to be in the loop but drifted away from it when they were 18. It's the one that accepted Christ. And for a moment they were beginning to turn their life around. But nobody came up alongside them and discipled them. And they got frustrated and they quit. It's the one that doesn't even know that there is a loop to be involved in. That's that's the person. That's the one. It's the lost sheep that God, that's got God's attention. And he's asking you and he's asking me, how concerned are you with that person? Look, here's the deal. When God's concern becomes your concern, you don't, you don't have to pray for vision. You don't have to go looking for it. You don't have to Google it because it's just going to be birthed in you and it will grip your soul and you won't be able to get away from it. And it'll just begin to weave a thread through your life. It will be the thing that years from now, when you look in a mirror at, a, at an older version of the younger you, that you'll be able to look at that and say, listen, my life counted for something. It had meaning. It had, it had purpose. God used it for His glory and not my own. You know what we need to be doing as, as a people, as a church? We need to be praying not really for vision, but that we would be concerned with the things that concern God. We would pray that we would really just prioritize our our schedules and our calendars, our studies, our ministries, our checkbooks, and our lives around the values and the principles of God's Word. We should be asking God to help us to see people around us the way He sees the people around us. Our concern needs to be equal to God's concern. We, We need to be bothered by what bothers Him. That's when we'll discover a vision that's consistent with His. It's been said that that people don't really think without forming pictures in their heads. Nehemiah had a picture of of what could be. And it gripped his heart. And he never let go of it. It gave his life meaning. It gave his life purpose. It was for the glory of God. So the question is, what picture has God placed in your mind? Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the life of Nehemiah, for this story, and just showing us that if, if our heart breaks for what your heart breaks for, our, our life changes. Then we know what to go do. And, and, and God, you've said it over and over and over throughout the scriptures 
that your concern is the people who are not in the fold. So God, help us to to look outside of it, to go outside of it, to minister outside of it, to reach out to the world and be your church. God, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, we've got one more song this morning, and it's a song of invitation. And so if you feel like God has laid something on your heart today or the Holy Spirit's moving in some way and you want to come up here and pray about that, I'll be up here. Jamie, Jared, we'll all be up here. Maybe you just want to come up here and pray by yourself or, or maybe just stand and sing to a holy God and just and let the Spirit wash over you and just shout out, right? Just sing at the top of your lungs that we, we want the Holy Spirit to come. I don't always know what that is. I can't always pinpoint it. But together we can make a difference, right? We can set this community on fire. You know what I'd really love to see? Guys, we made national news when we, when we disaffiliated, not when we walked away. National news. That is not something I want to be, make news about. You know what I want to make news about? I, I, want, I want people in California to go, there is a spiritual revival happening in Cabot, Arkansas. What's going on? And I want us to be in the middle of it with the other churches. That's, that's my vision. We've got to start small, though, right? It's just got to start with us opening our hearts, doing some different stuff. You've heard me say it. If we want to reach people nobody's reaching, we've got to do things nobody's doing. Help me discover what that is. Let's stand and pray. Sing. How about that?